Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Can you find lumber anywhere? We're going to talk about a shortage of building materials in Canada, and we're going to go back to the movies. Is Tenant going to save the box office? Let's get to it. Welcome back to the program on Home Renovation Friday at 416-870-6400. Your stories about what you can find and what you can't find out there. I'm looking for those contractors out there who are saying, i got customers, I just don't have any product to be able to build anything. 416-870-6400. A number of studies have shown that the actual the home renovation market in Canada is going to be way down in terms of spending overall because of COVID-19 and people concerned about discretionary income and should you at this, this is, is this the moment to take on that big project and build that addition or do whatever it is, or should you be keeping that, you know, cash under the mattress, so to speak, just in case, you know, who knows what's coming next. So if, if that's the case, then why is it that we're seeing such scarcity of a variety of products, especially pressure-treated lumber. What What's happening with that? Liz Kovac is the president of the Western Lumber Association and joins me on the line to help me understand all of it. Hi, Liz. Hello. How are you? I am great. Thank you very much. No lumber in Canada? What's going on? Well, that's the hot topic of the day, and uh, it certainly is a, there isn't one simple answer. It's definitely a perfect storm of a variety of issues. And if you take a look at where we were in March, uh, a lot of folks were really bracing for impact, and the demand for a lot of products for, and even beyond the home renovation side, basically fell off a cliff for a short period of time. And we had to shut down some of the mills as a result of COVID. And, of course, when they slowly started to open up, they needed to make sure that they were following certain protocols. That all had an impact and created a, a certain amount of delays. Where, on the flip side, there may have been some other mills who had tons of stock. But in March, nobody was buying anything, and they had to curtail their operations because they had nowhere to store any of that lumber. So now that everyone is back and up and running, there's a bunch of other factors that are happening. And, of course, that. Uh, the transportation side. But one of the key things that no one could have predicted was the DIY market and how and how hot it was going to be. And if you read the reports, there was predictions that the renovation market was going to be down, and it's the exact opposite. You have folks who've canceled some of their vacations and have made the choice to spend money on their home. They're stuck at home. So they're looking at all these things that they think, well, you know what, we're going to, instead of going on a trip this year, we'll just invest it in our home. Liz, what does it mean that we have this sort of scarcity of resource and, and a difficulty transporting it around? I mean, how quickly can that be rectified? So one of the issues when you look at some of the transport and when it comes to the rail side, uh, when you look at what happened in March, a lot of employees were laid off. You About 4,000 employees were laid off just by CN, and I haven't looked at the stats for any of the other companies, but it definitely took them some time to get back and up and running. And as an example, uh, one of our mills that we work with, they were only able to get 80% of their product out because there was not enough capacity to actually transport it. And the trucking industry isn't a huge component of transporting lumber from BC out, out east uh, and simply because it's not financially viable for them to do so. What does this all mean for the price for the consumer at the end of the day? Uh, unfortunately, it means a higher price for the consumer and for everyone involved. And with lumber is also a commodity, so of course um, that there's a lot of volatility when it comes to that piece. But when the supply is low, 
it certainly increases the price because it's so hard to keep up with the demand that's happening. And this is a very unusual um, stint. Typically, if there's high lumber prices, it might last four to six weeks. We're now in week 21. Um, and when you factor in, you know, a lot of the things that have happened in the past, uh, the capacity for some of the forests to even be available for product are no longer there. The mountain pine beetle obviously had a huge impact. Uh, there was a salvage operation to um, remove a lot of those diseased trees so that there was further damage not created. And so you've taken that completely out. And as soon as you have less material to work with, that's always going to be an ongoing issue, especially with a renewable resource. Boom and bust doesn't work for the forestry industry. <laughs> In, in terms of the DIY market, that's obviously one portion of it. But what about housing construction on the commercial side? How's that being impacted? Um, the For sure on the residential side, there is impact because a lot of the material that they require, which is the OSB and plywood, they're needing that for the framing and to finish some of the projects before they can start, you know, adding on any of the other material to finish the home. So it's for sure having an impact there. It's adding costs to the homes, and I know that's probably not one of the most favorable things, especially when we really want our economy to recover and we would like to see long-term sustainability, uh, but there's definitely shortages. It's creating project delays and, and having an impact on absolutely everyone. Last question, Liz. What's uh, your yeah. advice for that uh, DIYer who's saying, like, I got the money <laughs> and I, I, I want to build, but there's nothing at the store? Well, that's that's the challenge. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I would recommend, and we work with a lot of smaller independent dealers, is that there are some folks who still have material. I would recommend calling as many of the supply stores as possible. Uh, there's always alternatives uh, to some of the products that are out there, but of course, using wood is one of the most environmentally friendly building products that are out there. Um, and if they do have the money and they're able to find the material, it's probably best to move forward with the project now, uh, simply because it's going to be really hard to determine how long this will last. Materials right now that are ordered will probably take about two and a half to three months to arrive. So probably best not to wait. <laughs> Liz Kovac, who is the uh, president of the Western Lumber Association. Liz, thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me today. Welcome back to the program. Some breaking news in the world of sports. The NBA has just announced that playoff games will officially resume on Saturday. That is the NBA to resume playing tomorrow. We are expecting to hear from the Toronto Raptors sometime today. As I mentioned in our last segment, Nick Nurse was supposed to talk at about 11.30 this morning, but then the Raptors canceled that press conference. They said that they wanted to make sure they had... Get everything figured out in terms of what players were saying, what the league was saying. So that's news that the NBA will resume playing on Saturday. What are you doing this weekend? It's going to be kind of rainy. It's going to be kind of crappy tomorrow. It's not a washout all weekend long, but maybe you're thinking about going, I don't know, to a movie? To a movie like in the before times? Well, one of the movies you can see is Bill and Ted Face the Music. That's right, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter are back again. Here is Keanu Reeves talking about how things are going to be a little different. I don't know. I hope so. I mean, it would be great to have that experience, and hopefully people can feel safe and, and go to the movies, because I know I miss going to the movies, and I, and I personally wish that I could 
go have an opening with Bill and Ted and invite all my friends and eat some popcorn and laugh and feel good and, you know, and laugh with other people. And, like, you know, you can have friends over, but you can't have like 600 friends over. Isn't that the truth? You can have friends over, but not the 600 that you want. Breaks my heart. You know that last, thanks, Doug, uh, last year the global box office set a record of 42.5 billion U.S., that's the global box office last year. 2020, so that's your comparison, 42.5 billion. 2020, it's currently around 1.8 billion. Yowza. So Bill and Ted is coming out, but that's not the movie that the whole industry is pinning its hopes on. The highly anticipated Tenant, that is the movie by Christopher Nolan. It was originally supposed to be uh, released on July 17th. It was pushed back several times. It hit theaters for evening screenings in Canada on Wednesday night. It's scheduled to open across the U.S. on September 3rd. To talk more about those movies and the experience of going to the movies, I am pleased to welcome to the program Vicki Sparks, a pop culture expert and our film uh, correspondent here at Global. Hey, Vicki. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, what's it like going to the movies? Yeah, no, it's not quite like the before times anymore. It's fun. I mean, you really realize how much you've missed going to the movies when you sit in a dark theater very far apart from anyone else in the theater. But you've got to wear a mask. You're a little apprehensive. I won't lie. I tried not to touch most things while I was there. So it's not quite the completely relaxing, enjoyable experience it once was. But it was definitely better than watching something I've already seen 12 times on Netflix on my couch. And there's nothing quite like seeing it, obviously, in the theater, especially when it comes to something that is a big budget, big special effects movie. And that is what Tenet is supposed to be. Have you seen it? I have, yes. And Tenet, in so many ways, it was the perfect choice to reopen box offices with it. It is exactly that. It's a big, splashy action movie with incredible visuals. The story is very complicated, but the basic idea is that the main character, who is only known as the protagonist for reasons no one ever really explained, uh, is some kind of spy trying to stop World War III with the invention of this inverted bomb. And then there's a whole kind of time reversal, not travel, aspect to it. It might fall prey to the problem of being complex just to be complex. Um, you don't necessarily understand everything that's going on, but in terms of the visual aesthetic, it's stunning. This is a movie that was filmed all over the world, in Denmark, India, Italy, Norway, the United Kingdom, even Estonia was part of the film. So to get to see all of these places in these gorgeous sweeping shots is incredible, and the time reversal angle makes for some pretty unique action shots because instead of seeing a, a bullet fly out of a gun, you're seeing a bullet come back into a gun. Instead of seeing a building uh, explode, you're seeing it remake itself. Even in the hand-to-hand -hand combat, you're seeing punches pulled instead of thrown. So it's incredible to watch on screen, especially one that big, which is exactly what this movie was made for. 
Uh, and we, as we mentioned, uh, this movie by Christopher Nolan, who did Inception, uh, did the Batman movies, and you know has done so many movies with fractured timelines, Memento, for example. That's that sort of thing. And the the general takeaway that, as I read the reviews, was you know gorgeous to look at, but rather incomprehensible. Uh, speaking with Vicky Sparks, yeah. Vicky, tell tell me how much is the industry betting on Tenant doing well? They're 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 betting the farm on it. To be honest, Tenant cost a quarter of a billion dollars to make. It is a movie too big to release on video on demand. They simply didn't think they could make their money back. I'm concerned that they will not make their money back in theaters either, though, because. It is such a complicated, um, overly complex plot. It doesn't appeal to a, a very, very wide audience. My guess, I would have opened with Wonder Woman 1984, which is currently scheduled for release at the beginning of October. Um, it would have given the United States, which is a huge portion of the box office, a little more time to get things together over there uh, in terms of people feeling safe to go back to a theater. And Wonder Woman 1984 also has a built-in audience from the original movie and just is a much more commercial film in general. So I think there might have been enough uh, interest there to get people to take the risk of going back into theaters. Tenant, I don't think, is going to fill the theaters. Although it's interesting, because the theaters have downsized their capacity in each individual theater so, uh, so much, they do have tenant playing in like 10 or 12 theaters at every Cineplex that you go to because it's all there is. So there's definitely an opportunity to see it in a relatively safe environment if you want to take the chance. But most theaters I've seen have had two, five, maybe seven people in it, and they're not going to make back $250 million five or seven people at a time. Tell me more about the sort of low-level anxiety you experience when you go to see the movies these days. Well, uh, you know, it, I think it's that anxiety that any of us have when we're in an indoor space these days as opposed to being outdoors. I can only speak for myself, but if I'm outdoors and I'm properly socially distancing, I feel relatively comfortable most of the time. Indoors, if you're grocery shopping, obviously you're wearing a mask and you're in and you're out as fast as you can. With the theater, you're sitting there for many, many minutes, uh, hours even. And you've got people who have been in and out of that theater before you and will come after you. You've got food, especially if you're a popcorn person. That's a lot of fingers in your mouth. Uh, it, it's just slightly unnerving. And I won't lie, there's nothing more that I love uh, than being in a movie theater on a cold, you know, a cold summer afternoon, enjoying that air conditioning. But even I had the thought, I don't know if this is worth it uh, for the risk that you're taking. So I think it might be a little while before people find themselves feeling very, very comfortable going back. Vicky, what does the snack bar look like? Is it just you know, business as usual? It is not quite business as usual. So they do have popcorn, thank goodness, because what's the point about opening the theaters if there isn't movie popcorn? Um, there is, you know, the candy and all of that stuff that, that comes prepackaged. Um, but they've cut down on, like, hot dogs and nachos. And if you go to a VIP experience, that kind of full menu that they have, that's all been taken away. 
Um, they're also only doing cashless payments. They want to um, cut down on as many points of contact between you and their staff as possible. You've got to buy your ticket uh, on your phone before you go. There's no one who will even scan you in. You just show it to them from a few feet away. It's kind of an honor system now because nobody wants to get too close. Vicki, thank you so much for your perspective. Um, I, I should ask, it, it, is there something else on the horizon for you that you're looking forward to as a movie? You, you mentioned the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, I think Wonder Woman's the next big blockbuster that we're going to see released, hopefully. I think that should Tenet really bomb in theaters, we may see Wonder Woman pushed again. Um, but that's really the next the next big thing. Mulan is the only other uh, big movie. And, of course, Disney has made the very interesting choice to move that $200 million movie from theaters to Disney+, Plus, where you can stream it if you're already a Disney Plus subscriber for an additional $30. And they're going to see if they can make their money back that way. I think it's an interesting gamble. Obviously, it's a movie that children can watch. And I think parents at this point are desperate to show their kids anything new that will occupy them for a couple of hours. So $30 might be a very low price to pay for that. Um, But we're going to see if that does well, we may see more giant blockbusters move to video on demand. It's it's anybody's guess at this point. Vicki, great talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.